Welcome to Your World, Your Money podcast. We'll be talking about personal finance issues in a genuine way, exploring how money touches every part of our lives. We aim to shift perspectives and change up the status quo through conversations, resources, and questions, always exploring the intersection of financial well-being, life, and timely issues that impact us every day. Your World, Your Money is brought to you by Hanger Studios, a New York City-based recording studio, and Global Thinking Foundation USA, a global nonprofit striving to create a world free from economic abuses and where financial empowerment and equality are realities to all. So welcome back to Your World, Your Money. This is your host, Nolan, and I'm so happy to be with you here today. So a common theme we come back to in this podcast is generational change. It is really important for like 1,000 different reasons to understand the perspective of Gen Z. And to help me explore that angle today, I'm here with Celine Chai and Gia Lee. They are both co-founders of a culturally driven strategic impact consultancy called 98, which is built by and for Gen Z. 98 helps clients with services like branding, social media, Gen Z consulting, and influencer marketing. And I am really excited to have a conversation with both of them today to jump into all this. So Celine and Gia, thank you so much for joining. It is so nice to have you here today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So let's jump into it. Tell me about 98, what 98 does, and how both of you got involved in this kind of work. So as you mentioned in the intro, 98 is a creative consultancy agency. We sort of use them interchangeably currently. And the reason we sort of started this was because we saw a really big gap in the way brands were messaging towards Gen Z and just youth in general. We felt like a lot of the messaging and POVs were very unauthentic. People who were coming up with these strategies weren't on the ground experiencing Gen Z life and lingo and all things Gen Z related. And so as a team of Gen Zs, we founded 98 in hopes to bridge the gap between Gen Z and brands. A little fun fact for everyone, we named the agency 98 because all the co-founders were born in the year 1998. So the naming part for us was not hard. Yeah, I love that. Can I ask this? Do you have any employees that aren't born in 1998 or currently it is still 98 to the moon? Like We do have nine. No, we have a 2001 baby right now. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. It's good to bring in diversity like that. Absolutely. Okay, well, tell me a little bit more. How did you both get into this world of creative consultancy and and branding work and things like that? What led you to that industry? So Celine and I were actually best friends from college. We met in freshman year. We ended up joining this same program at LMU, our alma mater, and it was called the M School. And the M School was a advertising two-year program really geared at setting up the next generation of strategists and creatives for the advertising world. And that's also where we met our other co-founders in that same program. And we were classmates for two whole years. And so when the pandemic hit and people's jobs were furloughed and the world was just looking batshit crazy, we thought this looks like a great time to start a company. Yeah. I mean, that's an area I'm really excited to like hear your experience about. It is a tough time to start a company during the pandemic. Things are chaos and starting a company, especially in this industry, is 
chaos. So yeah, what was that like? Tell me about your experience. For sure. I think a lot of the reasons, like when we first started it, it was like, oh, let's pass some time. Like nobody's hiring. Mm. Um, None of us really have a job. We have great skills from the program we were in. So let's start an agency. We had a professor who was like, hey, I'll mentor you guys. I'll share my co-working space with you. So there's a lot of support from our professors and just like community in general. And I think a lot of us went into it like, hey, this will be a thing we do until the pandemic's over. But Mm -hmm. two years later, the pandemic's not really over and business grew, clients grew. A lot of hard work went into it, obviously. And I think we decided to keep it going because of some of the successes we saw in the early stage and just we saw a niche and like passion for Gen Z marketing. Yeah. So you mentioned one of the main motivations of starting this is because you didn't feel like current advertising, current branding was really focused in an authentic way towards Gen Z. Tell me a little bit about what you saw as being the major flaws, I guess, in advertising and the marketing world till now. Lots of flaws, both in like work culture and in the way that advertisements are made. Mainly first is that it's a consumer first business, not a human first business. So it's all about meeting business objectives, sales objectives, getting people to purchase something instead of actually solving a human need. So that's really what we sought to fix and to fill in this marketplace And secondly, was that Gen Z back in the day was kind of had a really bad connotation and branding. Like people thought Gen Zs were entitled and spoiled and all they did was hang out on their phones and they never did anything of true value. But as Gen Zs ourselves, we were like, we didn't understand why people thought that of Gen Z and where that connotation came from. And so that's also another gap that we wanted to fill. And to add to Gia's point a little bit, we grew up on, or most of us grew up with digital technology. So ads are being served to us left and right. And people are just tired of being sold to. And I think that's something like an older generation doesn't quite understand. They're like, in order to reach a consumer, we got to be like, here's 50% off. When in reality, it's like, we just want you guys to either leave us alone or just be normal. And that's definitely a gap that you know, it's probably the hardest persuasion part for a lot of our business. I know it shouldn't be that hard to just be like, just be normal. Stop being so fake. But I imagine it is. And I imagine that's a daily battle. So what have some of the reactions been when you come in and say, it's not so much about, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I'm, I'm envisioning you coming in and saying, it's not so much about the ads. It's not so much about the discounts. It's about just how you brand in like an authentic human first way. Do people respond to that? I think there's mixed reviews. You know, that's definitely something that they buy into, you know, that sentiment. They definitely will never say that they don't agree with that. But in reality, when we're actually doing the work, at the end of the day, they're going to veer towards the more salesy posts. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, they're a client and we deliver on what they want. We push back as much as we need to and want to. But at the end of the day, it's it's their call, their shot, their brand, and we fulfill that for them. So yeah, I would say that they buy into it. They say they buy into it, but in terms of action, they don't really follow through. Yeah. So you mentioned about 
people being confused about what Gen Z is and, and it's oftentimes having these assumptions or stereotypes about it, right? This is something I want to tackle from a few different directions in this podcast and I'm excited to chat with you about. But one is, I mean, yeah, people have stereotypes definitely about Gen Z. We see it play out any number of different ways in media, in culture. Do you have to like go in and coach business executives and like, this is Gen Z, this is how to understand it. Do you have to have conversations like that? Yeah, I think it's less about explicitly saying like, hey, like, don't use the word bet on an ad to Gen Z. Like, yeah, it's Mm. a Gen Z term, but it sounds fake coming from you on an ad. And more about them understanding like how we interact with brands and that relationship and what we're hoping to see from them. So yeah, I think it's, the stereotypes exist and people do like latch onto those easily, but we try to get them to go deeper and help them understand like the whys behind everything that we do. So on the surface level, it looks like a stereotype, but there's a lot of things to unpack there that are much more valuable to note. So, I mean, I'll put my cards on the table early in this conversation here in that I'm a millennial. And I think this is probably true of generational change for a long time now where generations change, the culture changes, but it doesn't, you don't realize in the moment that it is or how it's changing. And then just one day you wake up and you're like, oh, there's been a vibe shift. It's like, it's different now. (laughs) So I'm going through that now. It's a whole wake up call thing, which I'm cool with. Sometimes it's nice to just be able to sit back and be like, cool, things are changing. That's good. But it means that now I I feel like this kind of clueless millennial sometimes and in, I just don't totally always understand the ways in in which it's changed or maybe sometimes the depth of it and, and the context of it. So I may ask some just like, beginner 101 questions of like how to understand Gen Z, which is nuts because I don't feel that detached age-wise from Gen Z, but culture shift has happened and that's normal and it's worth understanding from like an authentic, empathetic way. So anywho, that's Mm -hmm. where my head's at. So let me just ask you this. Would you say there's a describable difference between millennials and Gen Z? And how would you describe that to maybe like business executives who have to think about marketing and might have some assumptions about it? And how would you break those assumptions? I think that's a really great question. And I just want to put on the record that of the 98 team, I probably lean the most millennial. So I'm right with you on that. (laughs) That being said, like we are zillennials. So I think us as a team in general, we really battle like the nuances from both spectrums. There's, I think for all of us, there's areas about our own personalities that's like very Gen Z. And then there's areas about us that are like, well, we didn't actually grow up with iPads. Like we're not an iPad kid. We still understand how to play in the backyard with a Mm. stick. So, you know, there's like those two like nuances, I would say. But I think something that, especially in the workplace with teams in general, just having people across all generations now, Gen Z through Boomer, the process, I think one of the biggest change in workplace culture is that Gen Zs don't necessarily think linearly. We're not thinking like, hey, I've come to Deloitte and I'm going to have my junior career, my mid-career, my senior career, and like I'm going to become a director Mm -hmm. at Deloitte. It's very hoppy. Like You could hop different agencies within the marketing world. You could change careers. Who knows? You could end up being an influencer without realizing it and then drop everything else and do that full time. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things is that 
we plan ahead, but not that far ahead. And I think previous generations plan much further ahead and like actually keep to that plan in consideration to Gen Z. I just want to put this on the record that people don't give millennials enough credit. Personally, I feel like they've paved the way for Gen Z to be who Gen Z is today. Like I think millennials and Gen Z share similar values in terms of like innovation and sustainability and work-life balance. Gen Z's didn't make that up. Like I think millennials really started that, those movements and Gen Z's are just taking it 10, 50, 100 steps further. So yeah, I think we have similar values, but the way that we behave and carry those out are totally different. Yeah, and don't even get me started on humor. Like that's a whole other spectrum of difference. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of ways in which for a millennial like myself, sometimes I'm I, I'm caught in these moments of like, oh my God, I guess I don't understand Gen Z. Yeah, I mean, like humor and the meme game you all have is just different. It hits different. So I, everyone's got to go through that process, I guess. We're talking about like generational cultural change. That's like a big topic. Like that, that's complex. It's nuanced. We're talking about entire generations here. What are your mental models you use to like understand this from a holistic angle such that when you talk about Gen Z, you can feel confident you're talking about it with a degree of representation, appreciating the full scope of diversity. When you're talking about Gen Z, how do you feel confident personally that you are talking about all of Gen Z and not just your little bubble of it, I guess? That's a great question. That's a great question. (laughs) Gia, do you have thoughts? Yeah, I think that was one of the things that we were really grappling with in the beginning stages of 98. You know, it was like, yeah, we're Gen Z experts because we're Gen Zs ourselves and we're experiencing the culture firsthand and we're on the ground. But we don't, like you said, represent an entire generation. And so one of the biggest things that we asked ourselves in the beginning was, and that we're still asking ourselves today is, how can we really represent the full scope of Gen Z because it is so broad and so diverse and so deep. And so what we're doing, what we're building is what we're calling the Koi Pond. And it's this Gen Z community that we're using for consumer insights and research beyond our team. So if we're working on a client and we need Gen Z insights, we do have our own from our agency and from secondary research, but we have this community of like 200 Gen Z's that we go to, to ask for their opinions as well. So that's how we as an agency kind of approach this generational shift piece. Personally, approaching it holistically, I think it's always like important to have a personal bias check. So for me, it's like, oh yeah, like, Gen Z's are more left-leaning and more like everybody cares about sustainability, like things like that, that people think about Gen Z, but it's important to kind of have a reality check and bias check and be like, look beyond your bubble, like you said. In addition, like I think to add on to the Koi Pond factor, 200 doesn't seem like a huge number in comparison to like, you know, traditional research agencies that have thousands upon thousands. But within the two, 200, it's like you have people from West Coast, mid central US, and then you have people from Europe, like India, wherever. And each of them have like their own take to things. So even within 200, 
you ask the same question, you're going to get a different take or different response for just about everything. And I think that's a really, really nice attribute. And to Gia's point, like we were really positioning ourselves as this Gen Z expert when in reality, we're just a representation of Gen Z. Like no one really is an expert on this generation because there's so many niches in it. And I know I understand that like research and insights is about sort of finding the common denominator, which is why we come up with conclusions like Gen Z cares the most about sustainability. But like Gia said, lots of personal bias involved. Do we actually care? Like, do we care because everyone else is caring? So I think as a company, we always try to dig deeper per client or whoever we work with to like really make sure they know their niche and how to reach that niche. Yeah, that makes sense. So one way to delve into all this is to talk about social media. So I'd I'd love to have a conversation about social media with you. And there's a few angles I want to hit, but let's just start at the ground level. Do you feel like you're a social media first company? Like when you're talking to clients, is the focus of the conversation on social media or is that just one aspect of a larger marketing branding strategy? I think it's most definitely a larger aspect Um, I want to say that our bread and butter is social media because everyone needs to be on social media and has social media asks and projects. But as a company, I think us as co-founders and just people who work at 98 are just really passionate about the Gen Z marketing aspect. So really trying to work with the clients who want to target Gen Z, who want to speak to Gen Z, who like want to have a Gen Z sounding board and we can fill those needs. Unfortunately, that's not the biggest service that we offer just because social media rules the game. But we're definitely seeing a lot more companies be a little bit more receptive to, hey, we should have a Gen Z sounding board before we push out a campaign and it flops. So hopefully in the upcoming year, we'll see more of that and we can fill that shoe. Yeah, my hunch is like the roller coaster of social media trends and the actual platforms themselves is one of the things that really divides generational understanding of what's going on here. So just to ground the conversation, I'll explain it from my dated millennial perspective, which is, you know, we we didn't grow up with social media, but it was when I was in high school is when Facebook became a thing, became popular at least. And we went through this trend where literally everyone was on Facebook. And then that lasted maybe, maybe 10 years. And then we kind of realized like, oh, Facebook sucks. And we, again, I'm self-aware that I cannot speak for all millennials, but from my perspective, after there was this wave in which people kind of abandoned Facebook or at least abandoned using it for like everything. And then millennials just cycled through lots of different apps and platforms trying to figure out which one. And we kind of just settled into different camps, whether it's Instagram, Snapchat, some are on TikTok. And that's our view of things. I have a hunch Gen Z sees things from a broader angle, more comfortable using different platforms. Meanwhile, I think older generations are like, just can't make sense of it at all. So, okay, from a platform diversity perspective, how do you think Gen Z makes sense of social media? Why do things stick? Do you think it's going to continue to be a roller coaster in in different apps and platforms that people are using? Or do you think things will settle down? I don't think social media will ever settle down. I think it's always going to be in flux. And there's always going to be something new. So TikTok's a new thing right now, but there's going to be a new TikTok in a few years, and we're definitely going to have to get on that. But I think because we have used social media since we were since we were in middle school, some people since they were like little kids, but for us it was middle school, it's just like the norm. We're not really tied to 
the specific platform. So if TikTok disappears, we know that there's going to be another thing to replace it. And we're fine with learning that new thing. And yeah, we learn and adapt so easily digitally and can navigate that space so well that it's like, whatever comes, we kind of adapt with it. How, how aware do you think Gen Z is of, I'm just going to use this term very broadly, the algorithm, you know, just how self-aware, how self-aware is anyone, anybody, right? About the, the culture they see as being dominant, kind of being fed to them in a way. And it's, it's always unclear. It's always this uncanny valley. Like obviously individual creators are creating things and spreading things and that's what goes viral. But like, there's a corporate element to what's behind all that and what's going viral. And it's hard to sometimes to read between the lines. What's the Gen Z attitude on that, I guess? Definitely very mixed. So I know a lot of Gen Zs who are embracing it. They're like, yes, I want this personalization. I'm going to use the algorithm to my benefit. I'm going to curate it so that it's everything that I want similar to like personalization of ads. And then there's the other side who are like, I don't trust corporations. I trust Facebook the least. I am not giving them my data and I don't want them to know who I am, what I like. And I will suffer with a lesser personalized user experience and that's fine. That's my choice. So I think, I don't think Gen Z as a generation there, I don't think there's a consensus yet just because like you said, it's still pretty ambiguous and people are still trying to figure it out. But I think there is a good level of awareness there. I think no one is not unaware of it. You, you fall on either end of the spectrum. So an, another tough topic that sometimes gets brought up in the context of social media, I think fairly, is mental health. So mental health issues for many have cropped up more so than ever before during the pandemic. It was a tough time. There was a lot of isolation, you know, a lot of change. And I think just looking at the numbers, I think Gen Z teens today are experiencing higher levels of mental health challenges than ever before. And that's really worrying. If you feel comfortable talking about it, what, what do you think's going on there? What do you, you think is driving some of these trends? To what extent is social media responsible or is that just a tangential element to all this? I don't think social media as a, like as platforms are necessarily responsible. I think it's just the visibility of things. I think before, like if I, let's say was part of a talent show and I wanted to share it, you know, like I had to either email it to people or just like people came to my house and watched it, for example. And now you can simply just post anything online and people can watch it, your followers, people who just randomly stumble upon it because the algorithm served it to them. And maybe the reactions and responses aren't so great and vice versa when it comes to like body dysmorphia and whatnot. So I think it's just the sheer reach, which is so powerful and so detrimental at the same time. But I don't necessarily think it's social media's fault because social media has united so many people and given people ways to have careers. That's a whole other conversation, whether that's a good or a bad thing. But I think it is so powerful in terms of just getting things and message out in which in the past we would have never been able to do. But I think also like being on social media too young has its effect. I think like Zillennials and 
young millennials are like, oh my gosh, I would never let my kids have a phone. Like we're in that age. Like I didn't grow up with one. Like my children aren't going to have one. And and then I see like, you know, eight-year-olds with iPhones who can take great Snapchat selfies and whatnot. And I think that is just like being exposed to filters and and like public posting and or like parents who have accounts for their like young toddlers. Like that in itself is a little bit on the edge where I, I'm a, I, I fear it, which causes, you know, just insecurity in general. But I wouldn't say I blame it on social media altogether. Yeah, and I think in general, culture has shifted in terms of like growing up, like kids grow up much faster now. I think teens no longer have that awkward phase. Everyone all of a sudden just glows up. And I I definitely had a braces acne phase back in the day. But if you look on social media now, like teens look like they're 20s. But also, you know, when it comes to mental health and social media, like Celine said, it's all like exposure. Ignorance is bliss, right? So before social media, you never really knew what was going on. And now that all this awareness is happening, nobody really knows what to do about it and how to act upon it. Because self-awareness and awareness is just the first step, but you know, what are you going to do after that? And I think social media does a great job in the awareness aspect, but we're not really prepared for after what comes after. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, with trends that are going on now, there's no counterfactual, right? Like what kind of isolation would people be going through during the pandemic if we didn't have social media? So it's, it's kind of presumably a lot more, right? So it's, it's kind of unfair, I think, when I hear people talking about social media as like a causal factor in all this. But on the flip side, there's just a lot we don't know. And I, I kind of, I don't know, sometimes and you push back on me if this is a horrible way to think, but sometimes I, I feel just like really unnerved thinking about your generation, Gen Z, being like this guinea pig generation and that like you are the first, especially the younger Gen Z crew now, the first to grow up surrounded by technology on social media at the age that they want or allowed to, like potentially a very early age. Yeah, we just don't know what kind of impacts or long-term trends that will lead to. And I I don't want to assume it's going to be bad, but there's a lot of, it's unnerving not knowing, I think. Totally. For sure. I think like change is just something we have to embrace, like for the good or the bad, we'll figure it out. Um, And I think this is just a really big change that no one has yet unleashed how to deal with. I, I mean, like, there's this model of thinking about generational change in terms of, like, each new generation just, it's almost like evolutionary. Like, each new generation is faced with unprecedented challenges. But by the nature of, like, growing up with it, approaches challenges with creativity and a style of problem solving that prior generations just, like, could not identify with like your new generations bring entirely new things to the table in terms of solving problems and gen z is is very values driven i think is my impression let's talk about that what's your impression in your line of work talking about the values of gen z and and how young people approach solving like serious problems like whether it's climate change social justice anything how prominent is that in in branding and marketing work I think it's definitely the leading driver for brands right now. So 
like Gen Z will sniff you out if you're a brand that cares about nothing, right? So every brand needs to have that deeper why, you know, that value, like what problem are you solving? What cause do you care about? And if you're a brand in 2022 that doesn't have that, we probably won't be seeing much of you in 2023. So Gen Z's definitely, like you're right to assume that Gen Z's are value driven. We've had like personal experience with a Gen Zer on our team who didn't connect. So she quit. Like Gen Z's aren't afraid to speak out or quit or do what is needed to be done if it doesn't align with who they are and their personal values and what they believe in. So we've definitely seen that shift. On the flip side, though, you can't be a brand with a value or like with a core value and like ish social issue that you care about that has like absolutely nothing to do with who you are as a company. Mm -hmm. So like Gia said, we'll sniff out if it just feels like a transactional thing, like, hey, we're plastering this social justice issue because people say we need to have one. But it really comes from the top level of like, how do we embed and incorporate this issue or thing that we care about into our mission? And I think that's something that Gen Z's definitely care about. So it's a very fine line. You have to have something, but you can't have something that isn't like a value. And it's, it's a whole lot. But I think all Gen Z's have some form of core values, whether that's taken from family, friends, society in general. And like Gia said, they won't stray away from it. Like they're, they're able to make decisions based on what their values are. Yeah. And I, I think that probably plays out in work culture in interesting ways. So we talked earlier about how there are like stereotypes, right, of Gen Z. And I, I don't want to like play into those stereotypes, but the flip the flip side is like there's a tension between Gen Z being very values driven and broadly speaking, people want to work at companies that share those values. And I, I think that's like a, a pretty fair motivation, a pretty fair like line to draw. But then there's this stereotype of like Gen Z is a generation that's like difficult to hire and they don't have loyalty to companies and they quit easily. And I don't know. How do you make sense of all that? Like what's unfair? What is genuinely a trend? What's your take? I think I'll speak from like an employer standpoint. First, it's definitely very true. Like, you know, when you hire someone from an employer, you definitely want someone who's grounded in the mission, someone who values like what the work is and you want all those things, but you can't always get them. I would say like, it's definitely a battle you pick and you choose. So I definitely understand that, especially at a big corporation, you're like, well, I want someone who's willing to give in like five years because Mm -hmm. I don't want to train or like switch around. So that definitely makes sense. But from a Gen Z point of view, like I definitely see the urge and need to work in a place that actually inspires you. I think like you said, there's a lot of hardship in the world. There's a lot of things going on. It's it's turbulent, especially the last two years. Like it hasn't gone well or in many Gen Z's favor. So at least work in a place that inspires you or gives you the benefits that you want or provides you the values that you need. So I think there's companies out there who will be better fitted for certain people here and there. So I think that's why Gen Z's are really unafraid to explore that. And I think that's a good thing. Like the last thing you want is someone who works for you that is miserable every day for you as an employer and them as an employee. I think the non-linear approach to careers is a very exciting factor for this generation. And I think it could be beneficial too, because 
if a Gen Z comes from a startup to a bigger corporation, they could incorporate more ideas or different lines of thought that big corporations may be stuck in their way. So I think change allows for flux and flux allows for innovation. I love that. I think that's a great tagline. And I, I hope I hope companies are listening to that. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the work culture at 98. Is that something you try to be like cognizant of? Is that something you try to be actively designing and, and making sure that people are are buying into and investing in, I guess? Yeah. For me personally, like I said, more the millennial, more the mom of the group, but we definitely really care about people in general. Like Gia said, it's not a workplace for everyone and that's okay. We're fully cognizant that we will never be able to please everyone and everything out there. That being said, the people who currently work for us and or will work for us in the future, like we make sure that it's definitely a place they want to be at. We're a feedback-driven company. We do lots of monthly check-ins and evaluations with one another, co-founder to intern. Like It's a very casual relationship. I think everyone respects everyone, and I think that's really the key, is feeling respected. And I think that's why Gen Z struggle in big workplaces, is they don't often get the respect that they deserve. And I think we try to really honor that here. We're very casual. I think you guys might have found us from our TikTok, but our TikTok really unveils a lot of our personality. We're like a pajamas team. We're a social, like a like a channel on Slack where there's a social chat and drop memes, whatever you want in there. But we also get stuff done. So I think there's that understanding, like, hey, we're here to work and we're here to make good things happen. But also like show up where you are, show up if you're dog walking, show up if you're having a snack because it's 3 p.m. and you haven't had lunch, like whatever it is, come as you are, we'll take who you are and just don't forget to do good work. So that's that's kind of a long answer, but yeah. No, it's good. It's sort of related to that is I, I wanted to get your take on entrepreneurship. That's a topic we like to come back to a lot in this podcast. And I'm curious if you have any lessons you feel like you've learned the big ones about what, what it's like to start a company and what advice you would give to other people, particularly young people who are interested in starting a company. What, what would you say to them? Honestly, we have a lot of lessons. <laughs> yeah, it is chaos that I choose to be a part of every single day. I think there's never going to be the perfect way, the perfect formula, the one right way to be an entrepreneur or to run a business. So just, yeah, take the leap, go for it. You're going to fuck up along the way. Pardon my language. We're still learning and it's been two years, but I don't think I've ever grown more in my life than in the past two years of 98. My big piece of advice or not necessarily advice, but takeaway is that startup and entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. I know that's like a, like a trend and a fad and everyone's like, I want to own my own thing, but it's really not for everyone. That being said, I don't discourage you from trying. I think you'll never know until you try, but I think we live in a world where we always strive for perfection or getting it on the first try. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And you don't have to push yourself in that direction because five of the people you went to college with like all have their own business now. Like that's totally okay if you want to work for someone. Fantastic choice as well. And like Gia said, you mess up along the way. That's totally normal. But I would also encourage people not to skip steps. I think we're a generation with 
really bold and big ideas, but sometimes we forget processes in the way. And that's something every now and then to just reel yourself back in and be like, there are things that must be done in order for me to achieve that big idea. So whether you are an entrepreneur or somebody just entering the workforce, maybe big company, small company, let's end on this. Do you have any advice for just how to live out your values, how to stay true to your values and feel like you can do good things while making the world a better place? Yeah, I guess my parting words here would be, people always ask like, what's your life motto? And my personal one is let life take you where it wants to take you. Mm. I think there's a really important factor of planning your life in perspective. I went to college for dance and now I own my own business. So life takes you where it's going to take you. And I think it's just being unafraid of embracing change, which this generation has a really great way in embodying. Know your values, but it's also fine that if your values shift or change over time, like life is constantly moving. So if your values move with it, that's also okay. And then lastly, just, I hate the word authentic, but yeah, like be you. There's so many opportunities in the world that you'll find the one for you. So that's my parting words. (laughs) On that note, to echo off of the be you sentiment, I always struggled every time someone told me that because I was never like fully sure of what that, that meant. And I think a lot of Gen Zs are in a very like, influx, like confused state, just kind of figuring life out by the day. Like, I don't really know where I'm going to be a year from now, much less five years from now. So I would say to give yourself room to just be. It's okay to try one thing and fail, try another thing and succeed. Like you're going to do so many things and it's okay to just be. You don't have to define your values right now, they, like Celine said, they always change. And yet, just give yourself room to just like exist in who you are in that moment. And if something's not serving you, don't be afraid to just speak out your truth. I love that. And, and I think those are good messages to end on. I hope people take them to heart. So Gia and Celine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This is so fun. You've been listening in with Your World, Your Money. You can find us at ywympodcast.com and stay updated on Instagram at Global Thinking Foundation USA. Our podcast is produced by Amber Yang and Henga Studios and fact-checked by Tib Bui. Be sure to rate and review us and you can reach us with questions, feedback, and topic suggestions at hi at ywympodcast.com. Many thanks again to Hangar Studios and Global Thinking Foundation USA. And thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.